in today's show. The NBA is back. There's two games for us to discuss. It's the regular season. I'm excited. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with a promo code Locked On. That's PricePicks.com. Promo code is Locked On. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Two games on, we're going to talk about them. The format of this daily recap show will be pretty similar to past years, but things will evolve as the season goes on. We work out different things we want to do or things that we don't want to do. So let's see how it all goes. Um, Yeah, always welcome to suggestions. If you want to drop them in the YouTube comments or tweet them at me, I'm probably probably more likely to see them in the YouTube comments. But if you do tweet them at me, that's fine. If you are listening on audio. Um, Yeah, so we got stuff to talk about. The two games that were on today, um, what's happened on the waiver wire for fantasy basketball and any other news. I went through a lot of the other injury report stuff in the What to Watch For show that's got the thumbnail of Kelly Olynyk on it. We went through all 12 games for tomorrow and talked about all of the injury reports there. I'll have a couple of updates on things that have changed since then. But otherwise, most of that injury report has been covered in that show earlier today. So, warning, can't do the laugh, but... Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) Oh, man, it's it's like a reflex. I try and do the laugh, and I just go, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that, Josh. Your uh, lungs are already ripped to shreds. Let's talk about some news that is updates on what did happen in the injury report. Keegan Murray, much like myself, is suffering from COVID, and he will not play on uh, Wednesday for the Kings. They were, I expect, going to start KZ Okpala. What this means, though, is extra minutes for Trey Lyles, probably some extra minutes for Terrence Davis, maybe Chima Maniki uh, get some extra minutes, some oh, some cheeky Chima Maniki minutes. That's a good one. Uh, we might get some of that going on for the Kings there as well. I wouldn't suggest that Lyles or Maniki or Okpala or Davis become really valuable at all. It does help a little bit for the pencil Harrison Barnes. Barnesy! I was just thinking, imagine me trying to do that scream with this voice, Jesus Christ. Um, but that, yeah, Fox and, and Murray, maybe a little bit of extra Davion Mitchell there as well. Um, and I, I did mention this in the show earlier, but I think it is worth mentioning is that both Zaire Williams and, well, Zaire Williams is out for the Grizzlies and Dylan Brooks is doubtful, meaning we're going to have a new starter because Brooks had been out, Williams would have started, but he can't. So I expect it's probably going to be John Concha, but it might be Jake LaRavia, might be even David Roddy in that starting lineup. And again, with 12 games, and we're probably not streaming those guys, although Concha is an unbelievable category league player. He might score six points, but he might have seven rebounds, six assists, three steals, and two blocks. He's a weird player like that. So it's worth at least paying attention to if you are doing prop betting or you are doing DFS, that there is probably a larger role for Concha, but we'd love to hear uh, what the lineup is going to be in that situation. That's really the only major news that has happened uh, since I did record that show about four or five hours earlier. But let's look now at what has happened um, on the waiver wire 
Over the last 48 hours, the most added players, the most dropped players there as well. The most added players, it's Jalen Suggs, Ayo Desunmu, and DeAndre Hunter. I guess people are looking at DeAndre Hunter because of the reverse contract year narrative. He got paid, so now we want to add him. I don't know. Make up your mind, people. Hunter had some pretty good preseason games. I still don't really buy him. He's a bad passer, rebounder, steals and blocks guy. He can score at times, but I also think he, you know, third third option at best probably for him offensively. I don't hate adding him though. Like there is a little bit of upside there. Suggs is healthy and ready to go. His steals and assist value is there. I would look to add him. And Dasunmu, I think is like a lower upside version of a Jalen Suggs. I think he's okay. Uh, I don't think he's going to have gigantic minutes upside, although Zach Levine is questionable. So if Levine is out, that does help Dasunmu because it means Dasunmu and Caruso can play together. Uh, Kobe White gets some extra minutes in there as well. And that can boost all of those guards who might squish each other a little bit. We can boost some of their numbers up somewhat. Dorian Finney-Smith was up 6%. Like, I mean, sure. To me, he's a really low upside player. And on a 12-game day, I'm not sure why he'd bother adding. I guess it's people drafted, added guys onto, the, onto their injured spot and went, oh, Finney-Smith is the guy that Yahoo keeps recommending that I add, so I'll add him. John Kaminga up 6%. That's for today. Same as Derek White up 4 and Grant Williams up 4. Yeah, you can hang on to those guys. And we'll talk more about those players in their respective games coming up. And then there's Santi Aldama up 6%, who I do believe will start for the Grizzlies. And I do think has got probably top 120 uh, upside, or at least while um, Jaron Jackson is out. Obviously, he doesn't have that upside later on. But while Jaron is out, um, that's sort of you know, where, I'm, where I'm seeing him. In terms of the most dropped players on the waiver wire, Miles Bridges, why was he rostered in to begin with? Why did people just decide now to drop him? He's there. All these guys down 6%. Miles Bridges, Tony Warren Jr. Don't know when we're going to see him. Uh, Tyus Jones, it was, this is, it's a weird time to drop Tyus. Did people draft him and go, oh, I picked the wrong Jones and then dropped him because he probably is also in for a little bit of in- increased minutes with both Williams and Brooks unlikely to play. So if you did draft him, Maybe you regret dropping him here. Why was Gallinari just dropped in the last 48 hours? Was he auto-drafted? Perhaps that's what happened. Gaz Payton down 6%. He's out for a few weeks. I don't think he's anything more than a steel specialist anyway. Uh, the wild thing, Jay Sean Tate is down um, 6%. Even the wild thing's gone well. I can't do much about that. He's out for tomorrow's game, and his role's going to be not that big. He's not a 12-team league player. Tom Bryant's out for multiple weeks with thumb surgery. Um, we'll talk more about the Lakers later on, but there's no point having Tom Bryant in a 12 or probably even 14 team league and Andre Drummond down 6%. Why was he drafted and why was he dropped? Like what has changed in his situation? That's, that's a weird one. Was he auto drafted and then dropped? Like he can, if you were in a league, especially that's counting offensive rebounds as well as an extra category, he can help you there. He can be like, he have value if Vooch gets hurt, but I can say that for almost any replacement. He is a good permanent fantasy producer. He's just not a good permanent NBA player. To be fair, in Philadelphia, he was solid. In Brooklyn, not so much. Um, so, yeah, that's... I don't know why he would have been dropped uh, as much as that over the last you know, 48 hours. That doesn't make the most sense to me necessarily, but that's fine. It doesn't have to necessarily make sense to me, but what does make sense to me is prize picks. If you want to play Daily Fantasy, this is Daily Fantasy Made Easy. Instead of putting in lineups with salary caps and having to compete against all these other people, you just compete against the projected 
totals, projected stats that Price Picks put, puts out there. For example, you might look at Kevin Durant. His assists, five and a half. Do I want to go over or under that? Well, that's the question you've got to answer, isn't it? Do I want to look at Brandon Ingram's rebounds at five and a half? Do I go over, under that? And you can put Ingram and Durant together with CJ McCollum and Zion Williamson and individual player lines, and you can win up to 10 times your entry fee. And those entries, they're so easy to do. It's under 60 seconds. You can bang it straight in there. And payouts are safe and fast as well. But it's not just basketball. Nearly every sport you can think of, NHL, NFL, uh, baseball, college football, soccer, college basketball, women's college basketball, men's college basketball. I'm surprised lacrosse isn't even listed here, but they've got golf and European basketball and even disc golf. Is that, that's not even a real sport. But uh, sorry to all the disc golf aficionados out there. But you can do that also. It's amazing. And it's available in over 30 states and in Canada, which is great if you live in Canada because you've got to have something to brighten up your lives. Hey, download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKDOWN. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix gives you $50. If you deposit $69, you know what they give you. It is $69. So don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKDOWN at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Obviously, guys, just in case you're unaware, I'm taking the piss with the Canada thing. I actually love Canada. I've been, I went to Montreal a few years ago. Loved it. It was probably almost my favorite place that we went on that trip. I actually really enjoy Canada, but because Canadian people seem to hate me, um, yeah, I've got to lean into it. Wait, wait till there's a Raptors game tomorrow, then you're really going to hear about it. But yeah, I actually like Canada, so don't, don't get too up in arms about it. We've got two games that we're going to break down today. So let's look at the first one of those games. It is the Sixers taking on the Celtics in Boston. We got the Celtics with the, pulling away with the victory. 126-117. Um, Jim Harden was up to his old tricks, really. I had him as high as three, definitely never lower than six in my rankings. And look, he exceeded even my expectations here. 35, eight, and seven with five threes. Now the 64%, he's not going to stick. 80% on twos, 56 on threes. It's all going to fall off, right? But he's... He also didn't have defensive stats, and he is a relatively regular contributor in those areas. So that will come up. I feel really good about drafting him at pick 17 in 30 deep, but also in the first round in, in the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl at pick three. And yeah, I think that what he did last season with the poor field goal percentage was always bound to come up. I'm really excited to see what he brought. I thought Joel Embiid struggled a little bit today. He ended up with 49 fantasy points, 26 and 15 with five assists, but I didn't think he looked his best. But this is what Embiid is. Like, he still can do this, even on games where he doesn't quite look right. And then Tyrese Maxey illustrated the Tyrese Maxey issue. He had 21 points on 50% shooting, 40% from three. That is really good. He played 38 minutes. That's great. He had one rebound and two assists. He also got two steals. And I'll be honest with you, he might not get another steal this week. He's not a high steals player. So the 21 points is good, but it is really, really hard to jump into the upper echelon of fantasy players if you don't produce anything with rebounds and assists or steals on the regular. It's just really hard to do. And we saw in this game that Harden and Embiid are clearly prioritized over Maxi. Now, Maxi is clearly ahead of Toby. We'll talk about Harris in a second. Um, but it won't always be that case. But his lack of supporting stats really do, do hurt his category value. He still had 30 fantasy points in a, in a Yahoo standard format. But just, again, this is part of the, the issue that I have with his game somewhat, well, fantasy-wise, regardless. Um, the Thick Hogsman, Toby Harris. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. He started off 
pretty well. Looked really well. Cooled off. Ended up with an okay game. But much like Maxi, what else does he do? He had three steals. Steals are very volatile. Game by game, week by week, season by season. And Tobias Harris, consistently in his career, does not get steals. So he had 18, 2, and 0 with three steals. He shot pretty well, but still under 20% usage, the fourth offensive option. It's why I was down him. It's why I wasn't taking him in the 50s or 60s. It's why I was looking at him in the 90s with the risk of maybe him becoming a player outside the top 100. It's not a bad game from him, 29 fantasy points, but you know, it, it again highlights some of my concerns. I had massive concerns about Matisse Thibel this season. Uh, I did not think we'd see him for 23 seconds and then never again. He obviously had no stats in that time. You should not. You should not have drafted him in category leagues, in 12-teamers or even 14-team leaguers. The only reason to hold on to him is because of the Sixers playing on Thursday and Saturday. And I think he might get minutes there. But if you drop him, I, I don't... He might not play against the Bucks. That is distinctly possible. With the addition of Melton, with the addition of House, with the addition of Tucker, they don't need him and his lack of offense. So if you want to drop him for someone else, by all means, I don't think it's a problem. Let's talk about Tucker. He played a lot of minutes, six and four. He's never going to do much, but again, getting the vo low volume days this week gave him a little bit of use. And the other one is the wave pool D'Anthony Melton. Now, I was going to say you won't find a bigger D'Anthony Melton fan than me, but that's probably not true because there are other people there who are probably over the edge of reasonable with how much they love D'Anthony Melton. Um, but my worry with him was always, what's actually the minutes upside here? And, and we saw it. 21 minutes, 5-0-0. Zero, zero. Again, he is a hold, much more so than Thibel because of the schedule. But don't be shocked if he's not worth holding rest of season. Like, it's going to take an injury. There's not 28 minutes of value here that they're going to play him because Nyang's going to play. And how he only got 21 minutes here at Melton, and that's with Thibault playing 23 seconds. And no Milton, no Korkmaz. Those guys didn't even get into the game. So we talk a lot. It's really hard when the starters play solid minutes. It's hard for these bench guys to get anywhere near enough value to be useful. And unfortunately, yeah, Melton looks like he might suffer that. Uh, Montrez Harrell got the backup center minutes. I thought he looked dreadful. 2-0 zero and 0 in 11 minutes, please. I know he's rostered in some 12-team leagues. What are you doing? Get rid of him. Absolutely no reason for that whatsoever. I don't even think I'd bother in a 14-team leaguer. House had one point and Yang had three. Um, On to the Celtics. Yeah, Jason Tatum was really good. 39 minutes. And these are some really big minutes. 39 and 12 with four assists to steal on a block. And much like Harden, he came out of the blocks on fire, 65% shooting. It is going to drop off. And that was one of his big issues last season. He was shooting like 42, 43% to start the season. I'd like to see a couple more assists there, but overall, it's obviously really strong. He had 58 fantasy points. He was great. Jalen Brown, he was also really good. JB, you've done it again. Impressively, his efficiency was through the roof. True shooting of 69%. Giggity. Um, 35 points. His issue, again, to me in the past has been like, Dude, does he get enough rebounds? Does he get enough assists? And the answer here again was no. 35-3-2, but he had two steals. He had a block. And importantly, four threes and didn't miss a free throw, which are other things that sometimes keep him down. He was really, really strong though. Brogo played 24 minutes. Well, actually, let's talk. They, they did decide to start Maximum Derek White. Maximum Derek. He had two, three, and four. Um, schedule and streaming aside, I, I don't really think that there's anywhere near enough upside without injury. Remember last season, before Brogdon even got there, White would play like 23, 24 minutes a night. And Sneaky Joe Missoula, I thought might play him a little bit more, but no. So, I look, if I had White or Brogdon, I would definitely be more interested in dropping White. 
Brogdon had, um, yeah, he only played 24 minutes, 16, 2, and 4 with two steals, and his shooting was great too. A lot of massive shooting numbers here. But Brogdon, I think, is significantly the better option as a, as a guy you want to keep end of roster. I Again, it's schedule independent. I wouldn't be looking at Derek White as a must-hold player necessarily. Grant Williams played 24 minutes. I'm a little bit surprised that Grant played only 24, even with Al Horford in foul trouble. I thought we'd get 30 minutes and people go, oh man, yeah, but you know, he's got a, he can't guard Embiid. Literally nobody can. Like, no, Vonley can't guard Embiid either. Like, no one can guard Embiid. I'm sorry. Like, Embiid, uh, Horford does a pretty good job. I think Grant Williams does a pretty good job. He had 15 1 and 1 on perfect shooting. He's solid enough, but he, I think his upside is still relatively low as a fantasy contributor, Grant Williams. As for Horford, I preached concern with Horford. Again, it's one of those issues that I talk about, and this is a great illustration of it, I think. Maybe it's not, maybe you disagree. When I talk about, hey, if you're just looking at rankings and including turnovers, it really skews the value of players. Because if you drafted Horford, because, man, look how he, oh, yeah, I hear the reason, I'll take him at 60, I'll take him at 70, because he doesn't get turnovers. Well, he didn't get turnovers today, right? Like, he did that, he did that job. But if you get into foul trouble, if you play fewer minutes, you also provide strength in turnovers. He had six, five, and one with two threes. He shot 29%. He played 23 minutes. That's not to say that he's a bad player at all. But what I mean to say is that like he, drafting Al Horford based on a ranking number using pure statistical formula skews the point that he doesn't score enough and that can drag you from being solid to above average to way below it. And if you're being held up by the fact that you, uh, the absence of something skews that ranking value. To me, he's a guy that was more of a 90s player versus a 70s player. He will be much better than this. Do not get me wrong. Like I'm not saying that he's a bad pick or he should be dropped or anything along those lines. But it's one of those things that when someone's a low scorer and a low counting stats player and the, their value is boosted immeasurably, well, not immeasurably, I can actually measure it by about 30 spots with, by turnovers, be really skeptical of that being their true value. I hope that makes sense. Some interesting rotation decisions. I've got time to talk about all these guys. We've only got two games on tomorrow. We'll probably skip a few things in it. Um, Noah Vonley, first guy off the bench. He hasn't, he's played like 40 games in three years. He's been on nine teams in eight seasons or eight teams in nine seasons. He's really struggled to find an NBA place. He, st- he struggled early, I thought. He played okay. Now, the fantasy value is not there, two and two. But a steal and a block, he's all right. Um, it's just interesting that he was in there and playing ahead of Sam Hauser and even ahead of Luke Cornett. Deep, deep, deep leagues. Like, he was picked up in 30 deep today. Um, 30 deep, guys. You need to install Fab in that league for sure. Um, but other than that, I wouldn't bother. Marcus Smart, 14-3-7. Um, a couple of ridiculous flops and acting performances and ridiculous quotes after the game. Well, Joel Embiid almost broke my arm. I'm the defensive player of the year. Where's my respect? Oh, like, okay, mate. I, I really like Marcus Smart at times, but man, settle down. Um, and Sam Hauser, only three minutes. He's a really good shooter. I, the eight Blake Griffin minutes, it's an experiment. Not worth it. He's, he's, not, he's not useful anymore. Like I'd much as and I know name brand recognition is something I'd much rather Sam Hauser play 11 minutes than Blake Griffin play eight and Hauser play three. You've got to just go with what makes sense. And I don't think playing Blake Griffin with Vonley and Grant Williams at the same time makes much sense really at all to me. Another thing that happened, which, Hey, I've got the time here to talk, man. It's not a rant as such, but like there was a bad call on Al Horford, right? And Jason Tatum complained and we just, hey, we love watching players complain to the ref. It's one of our favorite things. And he complained and played to the ref and he got a tech for complaining to the ref. And then they went and reviewed it. And the review said, no, actually, you know, we made a bad call. 
it wasn't a foul on Horford. And then so many people I saw online, well, if the call's overturned, then they have to rescind that tech against Tatum. Absolutely not. Like, I, I, I can't believe that I was in the, in the absolute minority in saying you, you cannot rescind it. It does not matter. You don't get a tech, right? Tatum's tech was not, you've got a tech for arguing against an incorrect call. You get a tech for arguing the call. We, if we're going to be out here talking about players whinging and complaining so much and having respect for officials, what the call they make does not matter. They will get some right. They will get some wrong. The wrong ones might get overturned on challenge and review, all that sort of stuff. But because the call was wrong, does not give you the right to abuse the ref. Because if you rescind that, that just means that the players will abuse the ref every single time. Because how many times does a player think that they committed a foul? Never. They'll be like, I didn't do it. Definitely didn't touch him. What are you talking about, ref? You dipshit. And they go to review and 90% of the time, no, actually they did do it. Right? You can't, just because the ref's call was wrong and the wrong call is what led Tatum to argue, you don't, you can't rescind that tech. The tech is not, the tech is for arguing with the ref regardless of if the call is correct. That is what needs to be instilled and I'm glad they didn't rescind it and I just, I don't know, I just want to get that off my chest. There you go, got it off. Um, Yeah, and that's it for that game. Boston looked great. 126-117, big scoring. Defense was suspect at times, but both teams Shot really well. I think Philadelphia is still going to be really good. And they had some really strong moments. But Embiid looks sluggish. Yeah. It was a, an interesting game anyway to uh, to start things off. Hey, and as I said, I've got plenty of time today. So that's why we went long on that game. Don't expect us to go that long on every game, though, uh, this upcoming season. And now we go to the second game of the night. The Lakers and the Warriors. It was always going to be an ass-kicking. Uh, it was an ass-kicking. It could have been even more of an ass-kicking than this. But the Lakers lose 109, Warriors 123 on ring night. LeBron put up uh, he, he put up numbers. If I could find the sound drop, I would uh, I would play it. LeBron James. 31, 14, and 8. Big usage. No steals or blocks. Good from the line. Really strong start. Anthony Davis also put up some solid-ish numbers. But he still can't shoot. 27 and 6 with four steals and two blocks is great. We know that there is per game value in Davis. We've known that the whole time. It's more about staying healthy and then the, the lack of or the reduction in rebounds, which wasn't fixed, and the lack of three-point shooting, which still wasn't fixed. So the same sort of problems that plagued him on a per game basis last year uh, have reared their head. The Lakers did end up going with Russell Westbrook as a uh, as a stutter. Price of brick going up. I wouldn't say that he was dreadful. I wouldn't say that he was great, but it's actually a strong each line from Westbrook. 19, 11, and three. He was great from the line and he was good from the field. Now, I still think there is a lot of things that he does that are bad. I still think that his fit on the court doesn't make any sense. And this team is so poorly constructed that uh, the thing is, they're so bad. I'm not even sure that trading Westbrook and attaching picks to it makes any sense because they are so bad. So if they are going to, and Darvin Ham said pregame, hey, whatever I go with here, this is going to be my starting group, which it's always great to have a lack of flexibility early in the season. Um, so Westbrook's going to start. He played 31 minutes here. That might drop when Dennis Schroeder returns, but that's three, four weeks away. So you know, if that Westbrook stays, that's a back end, you know, mid to back end guy. But I don't know if we trust those percentages at all. They did start Lonnie Walker next to him. And as I have said, for this is the fifth year now, he is not good. And it remains the case. 
He did have five assists, so that, what is it, Sheaf? Get to drop one of these ones. A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. Um, five, three, and five was his line in 29 minutes. He shot 29%. He's a bad shooter. I don't think he's a very good defender. He did have a steal and a block. I don't think he's got any business being on a 12-team roster. Kendrick Nunn is a guy that I don't particularly think is that good, but he was an interesting late-round flyer type, and he at least returned some value there. 13 points, three threes. He really turned it on late, though. But him playing 23 minutes while Walker plays 29 doesn't make a ton of sense. He had two steals as well, none. Yeah, if for some reason you do have Lonnie Walker, you would make that immediate swap for none. Is none a must-roster 12-team league guy? I'm not really sure I'm there yet, but I don't hate it. And the Lakers' favorable schedule this week works in his favor. Pat Beverly, yeah, look, this is the Beverly experience, right? Like, the scoring is going to be... Look, he'll be better than this. He's not a 20% shooter. He had three points with one three. But three steals and a block is why you have Beverly. If you did roster Beverly for his defensive stats, which is why I grabbed him last round, second last round in some spots, is to get hopefully one or two more assists, but to get some steals and to get one or two more threes, um, I would hold. But if you want to drop him, I don't think you're actually losing that much to drop him, to be honest. They also um, had a weird lineup. They were worried, is Damian Jones or Thomas Bryant going to start? Well, Thomas Bryant was hurt. And then Damian Jones didn't play at all. They just didn't play him. So this debate, and remember in the preseason, Damian Jones killing in the preseason, Damian Jones starting games, literally didn't play a single second. Wenyan Gabriel was their backup center. Like, I don't think Jones is the answer. I know he's better than some of these other guys. So that was weird. Obviously, if you've got Damian Jones, and he is rostered in leagues, you can uh, you can jack him all the way off your roster. Get that garbage out of here! Austin Reeves came in, had... Three points really earlier, then didn't do anything else. He struggled in 16 minutes. And old uh, Matty Ice, Matt Ryan, had three points in 18 minutes. The fact that Matt Ryan, who's a solid enough shooter, is playing 18 minutes should tell you just how trash this roster is. And yes, Bryant and Schroeder being out are guys who would normally play, but they're also not particularly good. This team, the way they currently are, has zero chance of making the playoffs. It, things could improve, but they look like they hate each other. The roster makes no sense. And... You know, the fantasy value is going to be weird. Yeah, none is a marginal. Ooh, maybe I pick him up. That's sort of where he sits. The Lonnie Walker starting thing cannot last. I, I know that they said they will continue to start him. It just, it, he's bad. Like, he's not good. And using him as your mid-level exception signing is foolish. It's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, we had a one Toscano Anderson revenge game, zero points on 0 of 3 shooting, four rebounds and nothing else. There you go. Add that one into your list of revenges. And let's get to the Warriors. Now, we were told yesterday, hey, the Warriors, we're going to keep our main five or six guys to 30 minutes. You go, oh, that's weird due to conditioning. Oh, okay, what have they been doing in preseason? And then it was say, oh, actually, no, we're not. It's just Clay and Draymond that'll be limited while Steph and Poole and Wiggins will play mid-30s in minutes. Yeah, okay, that's fine. And then you hear in the first quarter of the broadcast, well, Clay Thompson's going to play 15 to 20 minutes. Like, excuse me? Nobody said that earlier on, and Clay played exactly 20 minutes. Now, he had 18 points still. He's got a sky-high usage. Um, the, the low minutes there, it is going to ramp up, but it's very low. Draymond played 25. He had 4-5-5 four, 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 five five with not much else. Now, don't drop Clay, don't drop Draymond, but it was curious. Steph was awesome, especially this fourth quarter explosion. His game was pretty good up until then, and then he just went crazy. 33, 6, and 7, 4 steals, a block, 4 triples, and Wigo was great as well. The 6 rebounds, that draws my attention. 20 points, 4 triples, a steal, and a block. He was really good, and he didn't get a chance to kill you with his free throws, because he didn't take any. So that's a big win for Wiggins. Um, 
let's talk about the rotation decisions of the Warriors. Oh, let's talk, actually talk Jordy Poole. 28 minutes, 12, 2, and 7 with two steals. Strong apart from the fact that he shot 28%, but 27 usage. He only got 28 minutes. Now, it was a blowout. That's, that's true. But they only really went garbage time for the last you know, three, four minutes or three minutes. Only 28 minutes in a game that Clay only plays 20, I think should give you a level of the concern that I had with him being drafted is that when these guys play, how does he push 30? Like even Kerr said, oh, we'll play in mid-30s. Like you won't and you didn't. They also had Moses Moody. Moses Moody. Moody Mosey. Moody Moody Mosey. When you look at Moody 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 as their 11th man. I think he's really good. I think he's their 8th best player, at least. I think he should... Uh, maybe he's their 7th best player. Um, five points for him in 8 minutes is annoying. Not that we roster him anyway, but that's annoying. And again, some of my... You know, I don't think, at this point, Jonathan Kaminga's a very good player. He's definitely not a good fantasy player, and if you do have him in 12-team leagues, and he's rostered in a lot of them, you do not need him. Zero points in 11 minutes. Again, like I will always say, where does the minutes come from? Especially when they're going to play Jermichael Green 23 minutes. Like there just isn't a big enough role for a guy who's not the best, especially category league per minute producer. Um, there just isn't enough minutes there. And we also saw the same thing with um, Blunty. Wiseman got 17 minutes. Eight and seven. I thought he moved okay out there. He missed all four of his free throws, which kills you. But there are opportunities for him to put up numbers. But he is a points, rebounds, and maybe blocks guy. But if you're not even getting 20 in a game where Draymond, and it's a blowout, and Draymond's not getting past 25, that should give you some level of concern that, hey, maybe there isn't actually that high of an upside for that this guy this season. If you do want to make moves, like Kaminga's a clear drop, right? Like he's not a 12 or a 14 team league, league guy. Get that garbage out! I, I'm not even sure. Look, it's one game, I know, but everything was set up in this one for Wiseman to play more and to and to put up bigger numbers, and they still kept him at 17. Now, maybe Jermichael Green doesn't play 23 a night, but maybe he does, and they just ease Wiseman in. So, again, it is, if you did grab... Kaminga, no problem. See you later. Uh, if you did draft Wiseman in a 12-team league with your last pick, you probably just hold. There's no need to drop him for a stream tomorrow. You just hold and see what happens. But this pattern... It's not worth it. Like That's not going to be worth it long-term. They also gave the big ragu 23 minutes. Dante DiVincenzo, 8-1-2. and two. Don't really know why he would get those minutes over Moses Moody. And for a team that you know, loves to rusty trombone themselves about developing their young guys, like when DiVincenzo's playing 23 and Jermichael Green's playing 23 and Kaminga plays 11 and Moody plays 7, I'm, I'm not sure. And, I, and you can make the argument that both Kaminga and Moody are better than those counterparts doesn't really and I'm criticizing the Warriors even though they smash the Lakers and they're an unbelievably well-run organization sometimes some of those things don't always add up with some of the things we hear in terms of you know are we going to do this when develop our younger yeah okay maybe not though right so we have to always be cautious of that it's good to see Ryan Rollins my man get out there and play two minutes he didn't do anything but I just like that he was out there playing and that is the recap of those games not a huge amount change for us fantasy-wise. And I think we'll go through the awards the end of the night here. I'll do that right now. The monstrous line of the night is Jim Harden. Your waiver wire line of the night, it's Kendrick Nunn with a little late flourish to get up there. He's worth at least considering. Um, your young gun is Modi Muzi. That's how the, the first and second year players in this game 
uh, or in both games. There weren't many of them. Uh, so Moody, with his five points in seven minutes, gets there. <laughs> yeah, that's Don't worry too much about that award. The dud of the night is Jim Wiseman. He's rostered in 100% of leagues using our advanced metric, and he was the worst performer out of anyone who was rostered in over 70%. That's how it works. The top 10 players today in category leagues. Number one was Jim Harden. Number two, Steph. Three, Tatum. Four, Jalen Brown. Five, LeBron James. Six, Joel Embiid. Seven, Wiggins. Eight, Anthony Davis. Nine, Russell Westbrook. And 10, Malcolm Brogdon. For your guys rostered in less than 50% of leagues, with only two games on, it's going to be a rough list. It's Kendrick Nunn, Grant Williams, Kevon Looney, Pat Beverly, Jermichael Green, Lonnie Walker, PJ Tucker, Noah Vonley, DiVincenzo, and then Max Christie, who came in here to three late. The only one of those guys, or the two guys, sorry, three guys there, Nunn, Grant Williams, and Beverly are the only guys that I would consider 12-team league options. And even then, they are pretty back-endish, I think, in terms of options. Um, if we look at the top 10 in points leagues, it's Steph, it's Tatum, LeBron, Harden, Davis, Embiid, Jalen Brown, Andy Wiggins, Russie Westbrook, and Tyrese Maxey comes in at number 10. And that is the first recap show of the season in the books. If I go into this much detail on tomorrow's show, I'll be here for 17 days. So we will be going through it a lot quicker for the 12 games tomorrow, but we had a little bit of extra time to extrapolate and talk some stuff on today's show. So yeah, I hope you guys did enjoy that. Please leave a comment down below. And after you finish watching this, we've got a show that yeah, I think is worth your watch. It's called Locked On Sports Today, and it covers the biggest news in all sports. It only goes like 20 minutes a day. So go and check that out. You can find it on YouTube. I'll link it in the, um, you'll see a card pop up. It'll be in the, the end screen of this and you can find it easily. Just search Locked On Sports today. I really recommend um, you check that out. I've been on that a few times with Pete in the past. He does a great job just giving you a nice little recap of everything that went on in the world of sport uh, today. So guys, follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're here on YouTube, you know what to do. Thumb up the middle, flick the bells, bells, not balls, bells, leave a comment. Guys, we're done. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.